Good morning. It's great to be here this morning. Um, you guys are awesome. And um, I just wanted to, you know, say uh, good morning for our director, Dave, and his wife, Kitty. Um, they had another commitment this morning, so they couldn't make it. So you guys are stuck with me. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but more than anything, um, we're just really happy to be here. And, and for myself personally, um, it says a lot because um, a year ago, almost exactly, I, I know a year ago, um, me and Dave had come up from Albany as there was a transition in our ministry. And we came up with the program last year. And there was five guys in the program. And, um, and the program was just kind of in a bad way. Um, in, in all reality, it was going to close down. That, that, you know, they didn't have the funding. There was a change in, in uh, a different direction that their oversight was in. And, and thank God for, for our leadership down on Long Island and in Albany that they stepped up and they took over the center um, there in Buffalo and revitalized it. Um, we came and uh, me and Dave came up on a Monday and we came here on Sunday and uh, we walked into, it was crazy. We didn't know what to expect. And going from the comfort of being in Albany where it was cushy and nice and we had, we had plowed the fields and everything was, was, was kind of copacetic to coming into a new place that, that was just in disarray and they, you know, there was no order or structure. And um, to today, now we're talking about a year later, exactly almost a year later, we have our men right here. And this is only half the guys. We had five students and about four staff members. Now we have about 20 guys, right, Jay? 20 guys? 20 guys in the program. We can hold 26 now, capacity, and we have about seven staff members. So God is doing a work in Buffalo. And the, the, the time that I doubted that, um, that maybe I had some, some faith issues, you know, and occasionally we all go through something where, we're, where there's a little bit of doubt creeps into our heart. And, and when I stepped through the doors a year ago, that doubt hit me in the face like a sledgehammer. I was like, what did I do? But, but over this last year, God has proved himself in more ways than I can ever imagine. God, I mean, it is incredible what God has done with churches like yourselves getting behind us, new churches coming in, God filling the, the program up, the, the work we're doing around the house. I mean, literally, we've gone through how many 25-yard dumpsters? About four or five? <clears throat> I mean, they, there was so much work to be done. And uh, God has just provided along the way. It is, it is intense. And it is crazy to see how God, when, when, when he's in it, how he comes alongside you. And he just, he has blessed us incredibly over the last year. So, so just to let you guys know, the seeds that you sow into our ministry are going into fertile soil that are, that are blessing and saving lives that are transforming these men's lives. And it's, it's incredible to watch. It makes what I do worth it every day. It is an awesome thing. But um, for any of you who might not be here or might, might not have been here last year or don't know what Teen Challenge is, um, Teen Challenge, now we are a 9 to 12-month uh, discipleship program for people struggling with life-controlling issues, whether it be drugs, homelessness, abuse, addiction. We take people in, we feed, clothe, and house them, and we give them basically full-on Jesus. The gospel it hits them in the face. And... Uh, we, we know, and anybody in this room that's ever been through stuff, and everybody in can raise their hand, they've been through something in their lives. Um, we know the only thing that will tr- save, transform, and change your life is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, so through that, now we are part of New York Teen Challenge. Like I was saying, we're a five-network center. Five-network. Five-center network. Yeah, that, that sounds right. Five-center network, right? And 
And, it, you know, it's Long Island, Brooklyn, the original Teen Challenge, uh, Albany, us, and then Syracuse, which isn't that far from here. And we, we now cover the whole state. We have over 350 men and women's beds to serve, you know, the state. And you know, with the drug epidemic the way it is and the people being affected, we need as many beds as we can get. So it, it, it's, 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 you could see God's hand on this ministry moving forward. I mean, even about a couple months ago, when, when Donald Trump was talking about the drug epidemic and he, he was going on about it, and it's become something that he's crusading, which is a great thing, you could see the president of New York Teen Challenges standing right behind him at the White House on the podium. And, and you could see that God is softening hearts and opening doors, that you, you have that, and we're becoming part of the conversation. Because we know that, that, that secular treatment is good for some, but for, for everybody needs Jesus. And for the, 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 the most hard up for me, I lost everything. And when I was down to nothing, God was up to something and he saved my life. So, so it's great. It's great to see what Teen Challenge is doing. And this year is the 60th anniversary of Teen Challenge. The original one in Brooklyn started in 1958. So we're coming up on the 60th anniversary, and it's incredible to see how everything has come full circle. And God is doing a new work in Brooklyn, doing a new work in New York, and, and it's, it's great to be part of it. And, you know, like I, people, people in my family say it's a, I sacrifice, that I, you know, but this is what God has called me and built me to do, that he pulled me out of my mess to do this, and it's an incredible thing. So without any, oh, let me, before I finish up here, these are our new uh, pamphlets, and um, if you guys need one, if you know somebody struggling, you can stop at the table and grab one. Um, give them away. You see it has all our information, all our phone numbers. It even has our corporate number in Long Island. If you know somebody struggling that's not from the area or they need to get out of this area, you can always call me, Jason, or Pete. He's our intake guy, and, and we, can, we can hook you up to send your loved one maybe out of the area if they need to get away. And uh, that's what we believe, that, that sometimes you can't stay in your backyard to get well. You need to keep it moving, you know what I'm saying, and, and go to someplace new. But um, a couple things we got coming up. In July the 18th, we have our annual golf tournament, and we'd love to invite you out if we have any golfers in the house and anybody that wants to come out and, and play some golf, eat some good food, fellowship with the guys, they'll all be there. It's going to be a great time. And then also in October, um, I want to say the 22nd and 23rd, I'm not exactly sure, but we got a while. Um, is our annual banquet, and we're gonna, we want to invite you guys out again, have you come out, and if you want to come see, we're going to have a powerful speaker. It's going to be a great time, you know, uh, the, the pageant, pageantry of it and all the bells and whistles, you know, we, we'd really like to invite you out, all right? We teach the men that testimony is very important, that your testimony says something about you, but most importantly, but what God is doing in your life. Because we all know the truth of it is, is we overcome the world by the blood of the Lamb, and the word of our testimony. So, with no further ado, victim number one, Jeff, come down and talk about the glory of God. My name is Jeff. I'm 40 years old. I was raised in an excellent Christian home. I uh, had everything we wanted. I wasn't, we weren't rich, but uh, we weren't poor either. My dad worked hard. He provided a good life for us. I went to Christian school for a few years. Um... I started rebelling in my teenage years, and I, I, I went astray, you know, smoked a little bit of weed and, and drank some, but that really wasn't the worst of it, you know. I kind of got back on track with God, and then back in 2008, I got hurt on the job. I herniated three discs. I got hooked on Oxycontin, which eventually led to heroin and needle use, and, uh, you know, 
God was with me right through my mess. I spent a lot of time in bathrooms by myself crying out, God, I'm so sick, you know, please help me, please help me. And uh, he heard my prayer. I went to another program before last year, so I've spent two Christmases in a program, but my pride got in the way. I went back out to the world, and um, I fell hard when I went out there, you know. I just, uh, I don't know, I just sh- I should have stayed in the program the first time. But anyhow, God has me right where he wants me. Because I went out and I fell, I went back to the same program as I had been in last year, and I was there for one month. And uh, the house was just, it was wide open. It was hard to recover there. The guys were smoking cigarettes. They were doing stuff. And, and I, couldn't, I couldn't make it there, so I requested, you know, could I go somewhere else? Because I was going to get in trouble. I was going to fall there. And God brought me to Buffalo Teen Challenge specifically. And here I am. I'm in perfect peace here. I know that I'm in the will of God. I'm 700 miles from home in Virginia. And... Uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be doing this and going from church to church and singing and being a part of what God is doing here. You know, we have a really good house. We have really good brothers. People are behaving here. There's no cigarettes. There's no drug use. We praise and worship God every single day. And uh, it's just good. It's real good to be here. And um, I'm just thankful for what God has done in my life personally. And the verse that I stand on is Proverbs 16:3, And it says, in the Amplified Version, it says, Roll your works on the Lord, commit and trust them wholly to him, and he will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will, and so shall your plan be established and succeed. Thank you. You know, the guys practice choir, and I can hear them. I'm upstairs doing my devotion in my room, and I can hear these guys singing to the Lord, and it's, it's crazy to think about that. You know, a year ago, you wouldn't even deal with these guys. If you saw them on one side of the street, you probably crossed the other. If you had your pocketbook, you might hide it under your seat, you know? But you could see God's redeeming power and what he does to, to, to trophies of grace like these men right here, that guys that were radical for things of the world and, and for, for drugs and debauchery are now becoming radical for things of the kingdom. It's awesome. So... We're going we're gonna to introduce a second testimony, and I just have to throw it out there. We've got to keep it between three and five minutes, boys, all right? All right? No, these guys are still on fire for Jesus. They'll preach the sermon. And I know about you guys, but I, I want to eat some lunch, so we've got to pump the brakes. But the next testimony is family here today, and um, I want him to come up and tell about the glory of God. Greg, come up. Talk about the glory of God. Uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Gregory. Uh, I grew up right down the road in Medina. Um, let's see. I, uh, I, grew up in a, I grew up with a lot of love um, from all over my family. I have a, a big family, um, lots of cousins, aunts, uncles. Uh, and on both sides of the family, we were all very close. And um, I learned about Jesus at a young age, and uh, somewhere along the line, I decided I wanted nothing to do with it. Um, I was angry, I was rebellious, I, uh, I was prideful, um, I was entitled. Not really, but that's what I thought. So uh, at a young age, um, I, I, I lived through a lot of chaos, but like I said, there was also a lot of love there. I, I discovered the transforming power of alcohol at a very young age. Um, turns out it wasn't the transforming power I really needed. I, uh, I, spent, I spent about 10 years... Uh, Drinking, doing drugs. I played sports. Uh, I did okay in school. 
you know, I, I lived a fairly normal life, but uh, underneath there was a lot of anger, a lot of resentment, um, a lot of mixed up, confused emotions, and, and really just a scared little boy. Um, I started getting in trouble with the law uh, around the time I turned 18. Um, you know, it, it, it was a process. You know, you, you, want, you wake up in jail for the first time and you're scared and you're crying out like a little kid because that's basically, like I said, what I was. And then eventually, you know, after going there so much, you get used to it. And that's even scarier than the first time you went there because, you know, it's not okay to be okay with jail. Um, I ended up getting in a lot of trouble, serious trouble, and I, and I went to prison when I was 22. Um, and the first place you go to is Elmira, which is a big, scary place. Um, and when I got to Elmira, there was about 300 or so cells, and it just so happened that the cell I, I was picked to sit in had an old book in it, and it, it turned out that book was uh, The Cross and the Switchblade, which I think we have copies of. I had no idea what it was at the time, and looking back, it's un unbelievable the things that God put in my life to show me what I needed and where I was going to go. Um, but I never believed in Jesus. I, I was rebellious and I was angry, and I continued getting in trouble up until just this past year. Um, I have a loving grandmother who's here today, and uh, <laughs> without her, I have no idea where I would be. Um, you know, one thing I remember growing up is you just, you don't use the Lord's name in vain. And I didn't understand that, except for I was just trying to show her respect, but today I understand the concept behind that. Um, I, was, I was a heathen in every sense of the word up until October of last year. Um, my uncle, who is the pastor of a church out in Gasport, has been working with Teen Challenge for years. My grandma heard about Teen Challenge through him, and they had been trying to get me to come here for I don't know how many years, but I wasn't having it. You know, I wasn't coming to Jesus camp. I wasn't hanging out with those people. It wasn't for me. Um, but when you're down to nothing, God's up to something. Amen. Um, so I was sitting in Orleans County Jail again last year, um, last September, and I uh, I, somebody decided I was coming to Teen Challenge. It wasn't me. Somebody did, though. So, so my, uncle, my Uncle David, he showed up at the jail to pick me up one day, and he's, you know, you're going. So he drove me to Teen Challenge, a heathen, dropped me off with no clothes and nothing but a King James Bible. And um, let me tell you what. <clears throat> this was September 12th of last year, and, I, and I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a discipleship program, not believing in Jesus, and I... Uh, I walked around the place being the only non-believer, um, which was kind of difficult, but I don't know, I persevered through the, through the strength of Christ, because I can do all things in Christ who, who strengthens me. Um, October 8th of last year was my birthday, and we were on a, a van to uh, Camp Champion for a spiritual retreat, still a heathen. Um, October 9th, we're there, we have our first sermon, uh, which is a Monday night, and uh, the guy who started uh, New York Adult Teen Challenge, Jimmy Jack, was preaching a sermon on love. And um, that's exactly where I had to be at the exact time I needed to be there for God, for, for me to be in a place where God could speak to me and I would listen. Um, that night at, at Glens Bay, New York, God touched my life. Uh, the Spirit of God testified with my spirit that I'm a child of God. And everything that, all the anger, all the resentment, everything I had ever felt was lifted from my shoulders. And I felt what true love was for the very first time ever. Um, I gave my life to God that night. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Um, three days later, I was baptized, and uh, it's been a ride ever since. I'm on fire for God. Um, I, I could stay up here and I could preach forever, but uh, 
today I, I, have, I have a hope in the future today. Um, and the scripture I stand on is 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. Um, be watchful, stand fast in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. Thank you. Awesome. Fellas, you can have a seat, and I'm going to just steal on the last guy. Here he is. He's not getting away. He ain't getting away. Right here, um, Howard is, is uh, I hate to blow up some of his testimony, but I'm, I'm going to talk a little about Howie. He was one of the first guys after I came in, and we were doing the intakes, and we were just taking a lot of calls and trying to fill up the house, right? And Howie was a guy I called. He's a, a local son. He's from Albion. Right, I said it right, Albion? Albion? Some of the places here in western New York, I, I like Medina, Medina, I don't know. But Chai Lai. Chai Lai, yeah, Chili, Chai Lai, whatever, whatever. <laughs> but um, so um, Howie was, was a guy calling me, and I could see that he was so caught up, and he had so much going on, he was like a bundle of energy. And I, I literally made him call me like every day for a couple days because I really wanted to see the desperateness to want to change his life. He's, you know, a career drug addict, alcoholic, I'll let him tell more about that, but, but to see a man who walked through the door broken and to see him today is incredible, is incredible. This, this guy, uh, he, 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 literally, he literally has been completely transformed. Why don't you tell us all about it, Howie? Oh. Well, <clears throat> my name's Howard. Like he said, I'm from Melbourne. <clears throat> oh. I've been involved with the church since I was a child. My mother died when I was young, and I just lost. At, at a young age, the enemy came at me. I mean, by 11 years old, I'm smoking. 13, 14, I'm doing drugs. By 16, probably a full-blown addict. By 20, I'm, I'm smoking crack. I'm doing whatever I want to do, and I've given up on the Lord by then. And, uh, and I just did what I wanted to do. A couple failed marriages. I got kids that uh, I wasn't a good father to. And, um, and then, then I just uh, I started getting you know, more desperate. I could hold a job for a while, but I'd just move on to the next one. And, and same thing with you know, relationships. Nothing, never, nothing to stick around. I just kept moving. As long as nobody knew who I was, I could be whoever I wanted to be. And it wasn't, it wasn't good. So then, about, I don't know, eight, nine years ago, uh, I met a good woman. And, uh, and then about four or five years ago, we went to a program uh, in, in Gasport, St. Greg's Uncle's Church. Amazing church. I mean, solid rock. They've, they've done so much for me and so much for this program. It's an amazing uh, uh, brotherhood that they have with us. And, and the power of God, when people pray, you just... You, you can't win. I mean, you, you can run as hard and as fast as you want, but God's going to catch you. He's going to put you where he wants you. So about a year ago, I was about as desperate as I got. I'd left my wife. I, I had nobody that loved me anymore, at least I didn't think, because I didn't love me. So why would anybody else? And I tried to get into a couple programs, but without insurance, good luck. They could care less. I mean, be honest. So I called, and, and yeah, like Pete said, this is almost 10 months ago. They were new, and actually, um, everybody sitting over here, none of these guys were here except Pete. And uh, he, I talked to him, and uh, he let me come in and, and uh, 
Travis, he's uh, working now. Travis said, so who's coming? And Pete says, it's a 47-year-old uh, uh, crack addict. And they go, oh, boy, here we go. So here's this old guy coming in. He's not a teenager, but, but definitely challenged. And <laughs> so I come in, and, uh, and I, I pretty much left it at the door. I knew if this was going to work, I'd have to surrender. And it took time, but over the past uh, 10 months, um, I've restored my marriage. My, my stepdaughter has been baptized, and she's come to Christ. A couple weeks ago, I'm in Puerto Rico on a missions trip, which people, a year ago, you wouldn't give me five cents. And now I got churches that are backing me on a missions trip to help people in the country. None of this could have happened if Howard wanted it. But God wanted this for me. God gave this to me. And now I'm, I'm, just, I'm just living it out, and I have to do what God wills me to do. And, and, that's, and that's where we are. Another month or two, I'll be graduating, and, and I never thought that I would have as much to live for as I do now, because I was, I mean, 35 years of addiction, you really don't have much hope after that, but God gives everyone hope in, every, in everything he does, in everything you see, everything you do. And the, the verse I stand on is uh, Lamentations uh, 22 through 24, the steadfast uh, love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. They're renewed every morning. Great is his faithfulness. My portion is in the Lord, save my soul. Therefore, I shall hope in him. Amen. Thank you. Oh, and that's my family over there. That's my sister, my, uh, my mother, my stepfather, and, and my wife, and my daughter. Thank you. Oh, my friends, Don and... That's Don and Penny. <laughs> That's awesome. You see how excited he gets. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a handful, to say the least. Uh, he's, uh, he's my mentee, so every week I, I get like an hour or two with him sitting and just we go over things, and there's this whole process of uh, mentoring that we go through. And uh, Yeah, Howie. Thank you, Howie. But anyway, if you guys have your Bibles and you want to... Uh, I got a quick message, and it won't be long just because I'm starving, and to be honest, yeah, I, when I speak, I don't, eat in the, I don't eat in the morning, so I'm starving right now, and I'm kind of a big guy, so like you see, all the guys, they feed us very well, that we, we get blessed by so many different churches, food pantries, different businesses, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys know of Polis Donuts, oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, we get donated Paula's donuts, and they last about seven seconds because, like, <laughs> these guys rip through them. So it's, uh, it, it's such a blessing. It really is. And um, I'll just talk real quick. Um, I'm going to be coming out of Luke 19. So if you guys have your Bibles, maybe you want to open them up. I mean, you don't have to. Turn on your phone, your tablet, your, you know, uh, if you have a tablet or, uh, you know, uh, something, anything. Once you get to Luke 19, just maybe give me a little amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. I guess I can leave it at that. Amen. So I'm going to read a little bit of scripture, so bear with me. Um, I, I'm going to talk about Jesus and Zacchaeus. Uh, I'm going to read like the first 10 verses. I know it's a lot, but it's important to what I'm going to be speaking about. And uh, I really think it'll bless your heart. This, this message was put on my heart because like this week, 
Um, like, I knew I was coming here, like, for a couple weeks, and, you know, like, sometimes you, you procrastinate, you know, and you put things off, and, you know, things were very busy as a ministry, and I was busy, so I kind of put it off, and then this week, I got, like, really sick, like, deathly ill, like, I, I really wanted to die, I was like, oh, my God, you know, and uh, so I, I, this was put on my heart, and I, I really, you know, I spent time laying in bed and sitting on the couch watching it, so... Uh, thinking about it and reading it and, 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 and just kind of going over it. So, like, God, like, dropped this in my spirit. So I thought it would be a perfect place to share it, and I, I hope you guys are blessed by it, all right? All right, so uh, we're at 19.1, and it says, He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on the account of, his, uh, on the, account of the crowd, he was not... He could not because he was small in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed onto a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when he saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be a guest of the man that's a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Father, I just uh, I thank you for your word. I thank you for its power to, to break down things and reveal things to us, Father. And I just, as I speak today, just have me go aside and you step in and just, just deliver these words with the power and passion they need to have, Father. And uh, just, just decrease me and increase yourself, Father. In your holy, mighty, sovereign name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So, you know, uh, I've read this. Numerous times, and, and probably a lot of us have. And hold on. There we go. How about that? Um, you know, I read it, and it, like, it's one of those scriptures like, yeah, it's like, yeah, a guy climbed a tree, and he wanted to see Jesus. Everybody probably wanted to see Jesus. You know, it wasn't super, super important. But the more I read it, the more I really understood it. Like, and, and I'll just break it down real quick. Um, the backdrop of the story, you know, uh, to really understand where I'm going, it starts with Jesus entering, entering Jericho. The people of Jericho had heard and seen that Jesus was a great healer and teacher. You know, his, his reputation had gone far and wide by this point, right? They heard about Jesus rose Lazarus from the grave in Bethany, a neighboring village, in a, a short walk away. I mean, it was, I think it's less than 15 miles. And in those days, like 25 was like a day. Like you just, you got on your sandals and you walked, right? So, so they know raising somebody from the dead is pretty powerful. Like, I mean, that, that's like, wow. And then he also just healed the beggar, as he, the blind beggar on the side of the road. He, as he's walking up to Jericho on the road along the way, he... he he healed him. And, and this is a man that had been sitting there for years. He, he, he had been on the side of the road, and, you know, there's, there's probably many a times that they, they stepped right over him. Maybe they gave him a buck or two, but they kept it moving, you know? And, and the people now are lining up to see Jesus. They're lining the streets of Jericho to see Jesus, right? They, they've heard about these things. They want to see who he is. And this is where Zacchaeus comes in, right? He's a chief tax collector, so, like, he's up there, right? He's a very wealthy man. He doesn't want for anything. You know, he, he probably has, you know, a great amount of influence and power. I mean, 
people, people, you know, it's funny to think about being a tax collector, right? I mean, he, he's probably the most hated man in the town. Honestly, he's a chief tax collector, not even just a regular one. He's a chief. So, like, you know, you know, every other tax collector is like, oh, look at Zacchaeus. It's, it's, it's all him, right? You know, this man was appointed by Rome, so they hate Rome to begin with, right? So, so he, he, he collects these taxes, and you know they're on fairly high. You know, it left some people so broken. When I was studying, it blew me away that they would have to choose which one of their f- children to feed and which one was going to starve, they, that's how high and how bad these taxes were in some of the, the provinces that, that Rome controlled. You know, it, it, really, it really makes me think a little like, uh, like about the IRS, you know, like, like the IRS. And if anybody works for the IRS, I'm sorry, I don't mean to offend you, but I know they have their hands deep in our pockets, right? Yeah. So then on top of being just a regular tax collector, he was the lead high tax collector. He... he, he <laughs> wow, that just just thinking about it in my head is is so like he was so despised. He was the most hated man everywhere he went. He was the most hated man, and but something was about to change. There, there was there was an atmosphere shift, and it, it talks about it right here in nineteen three. It says he was seeking to see who Jesus was. So he's heard. He knows about this man you know, that was doing these great works and healing people and, and raising people from the dead. And, and he was probably so prou- proudful and, and, and egotistical that he wouldn't even look past himself. But now all of a sudden, he wants to know who Jesus was. This curiosity was something new to him. All of us in this room, right, everybody at one time came to a place where you heard about Jesus. You know, whether it was, you know, when you were a kid or maybe it was, you know, today. Some people might be walking in today and have never really heard about Jesus. You know, we, we hear about the stories and the miracles and, and all he's done for the broken and lost. You know, oh, it, it, it really, it hits home when they think about that, you know, he, he was seeking. And that's, we need to come to that place to seek who Jesus is. We need to be conscious of this curiosity. So as we have it, you're all sitting here. We want to know Jesus. We want to know him more, right? We need to nurture. We need to cultivate this curiosity about Jesus. It's like a fire. We need to feed it or it'll go out. Just like a fire, it's a living, breathing thing. So, so our, our, our seeking Jesus and our wanting to know him more is, is something that needs to be fed and stoked. And, and that comes with a lot of things, right? So how do we feed this curiosity? How does this happen? We feed it with studying the word, with prayer and worship, with seeking to be more like him every day. As, as a lot of people say, we need to go be going towards the cross and not away from it. We need to seek his face and not the, what the world tells us is, it's important. It's, it's so important to be persistent in our pursuit of Jesus. We need to seek him every day. This isn't a, a one-time thing. We need to recognize that this isn't a sprint, that we're, we're not, this isn't a short, you know, uh, like, what is it, Usain Bolt, he does the 100-yard dash. This isn't a 100-yard dash. This is a marathon that we run for the rest of our lives, Amen. right? We need to be persistent and strive for more. We need to stop moving backwards in our pursuit of Jesus and continue to strive to move forward. You know, they, they, you know I could go on about things I've done in my life, and it just, it just makes me think that, you know, uh, how much I need Jesus more and more and more every day. We settle for less than what God truly has for us. We need to live for more, the fullness and the true blessing that God has for us.
So back to Zacchaeus, you know, I'm, I'm going on a tangent here a little bit, but now that we are seeking to truly know who Jesus is, we sometimes have to come to a place where we take it in our, sometimes we come to this place where we take it in our own hands to elevate ourselves, just like Zacchaeus. In Luke 19.4, it says, So he ran on ahead and climbed a tree to see him, for he was about to pass. Zacchaeus, obviously, he's short in stature, it says it, right? But he's huge in pride and ego, and he could not wait on the Lord, but had to take the situation into his own hand. By running ahead of Jesus and climbing high, he thought he could put himself closer to catching a glimpse of Jesus. This is just like me. You know, I, I could think about how, how I lived this life of excess. Like, uh, you know, I've been in Buffalo and the Western New York area for about a year, and I, I spent some time in, in Albany and in Connecticut working in ministry, but I'm originally from Long Island. So, you know, I grew up on Long Island, and I was a, a poor kid in the poor town surrounded by all the rich towns. And it always made me look at everything everybody else had because I never grew up with anything. I was, you know, uh, you know poor, hand-me-down clothes, all these things. So I always looked at everything else, and I wanted what everybody else had. You know, and the world keeps telling you to climb, to feed your ego, bigger, better, newer. You know, I need that car because the car I'm driving isn't good enough. Or I need this, or I need this. And, and I can remember, you know, with all my striving and, and, and chasing the things of the world, I... I was a young man, I had a really good job in Manhattan, I was making all this money, and I was dead and broken inside. I had a, a beautiful condo looking out on the ocean, and I was dead inside. I, I had this beautiful BMW, it's brand new, and all the toys a man could want, right? And all the things the world said I should have, and I was dead inside. I wanted to die. I was, I was never more empty. And now I look today, and I'm more full and I am more hopeful, and I have more joy than I ever had. And I probably have the least that I've ever had, but this is the most, you know, because I know I'm doing what God has called me to do. And it's, it's powerful to think of it, like that God would choose to use somebody like me. Amen. Right? Right? So, so Zacchaeus, this all changed in a heartbeat. And, and Luke 19.5, as Jesus approached the tree that he was in. And this is like when I was reading this, and I blew by it. And when you read the scripture, you might blow by it. But I really want you to catch this, right? This is important, right? He was in the tree, right? And, you know, Jesus looks up at the tree, right? He's cruising by, and he's like, Zacchaeus, come down quickly. I must stay at your house today. The powerful thing is, is Jesus had never met this man, but he called him by name. He called him by name. Never met him before. And great, Jesus is the great initiator, right? As, you know, he's a great healer. He, he's, he's so many things. But he initiated this relationship. Jesus wanted to know him by name. Je- Jesus knew him by name, but wanted to have an intimate relationship with him. Just the same way he wants to have with us. He, he knows us by name. He knows our needs. He knows what we need. He knows what we don't need, too. So, so we got to remember that sometimes. I know for myself, there are things that I think I need, but they're really just a want, right? And that was so powerful for me to sit back and think that, 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 that this man is, you know, he, he's a sinner, he's a tax collector, he's the lowest of the low, and, and he's still striving through everything. Like, because Jesus, either way, was coming to meet him, right? But he had to force his will. Hey, I have to see him. And he, he climbed up the tree, and he's standing there, and Jesus is like, yo, come down, man. Come down. Come down. I need to stay at your house. Like, you know, I need you. Come on. Come down. And he knew him. And, and the second part of it, is, is he tells him to come down. He wants to have that relationship with him and with us. He will even initiate this relationship. Hey, come down. But he needs us to come down. Come down from our high horses, from our pride, our ego, to put things of the world aside, to brush the scales off our eyes and see what God wants us to see. 
Pride tells us to keep climbing and striving.